Your vision will become clear only when you look into your own heart, who looks outside dreams, who looks inside awakes. I'm Cassel Pettit, son of Paul Pettit, and this episode is supported by the sales of Paul Pettit's books found at paulpettit.com. All profits go back towards providing free services as such, and as always, here's your weekly eight but never too late minutes of Mindful Monday. G'day folks, this is Paul Pettit. Welcome to episode 77 of Mindfulness Mondays. Today I'm excited to introduce a special guest to the podcast, and that guest is psychotherapist Luann Oliver, who is an EFT specialist working here in the state of Virginia in the US. Well, for those of you who are regular listeners, you'll know that I'm an avid supporter of well-being practices that help build emotional freedom. I'm also an avid supporter of traditional Western-based science practitioners like Luann, who actively promote a holistic approach to mental wellness. You see, Luann is a psychotherapist and a certified couples therapist. Now, what truly excites me about Luann is that on her website in the About Me section, it says, I incorporate somatic and body-based models, energy systems, yoga, mindfulness, and other training modalities. So we're talking about a practitioner with a University of Missouri Columbia Masters of Social Work and University of Utah Bachelor of Science, Human Development and Family Studies, someone who's dedicated a great deal of their time to acquire Western recognition for the practices that she shares, but is also open-minded toward complementary medicine. In other words, Luann is prepared to look outside the box and support Eastern practices that offer tools to establish emotional well-being. This is why I've invited Luann onto the program. So welcome to the program, Luann. Thanks for having me. Can you share a little bit about your own journey and what drew you toward being a therapist? Well, I can't say there was a profound moment when I knew I would be a therapist. I knew I wanted to be in a helping profession and I looked at teaching and I thought there's no way I can handle 20 kids at once, but I could handle one kid, (laughs) one person one-on-one. So it was really that kind of feeling that led me into doing therapy. I went into social work, got my degree in social work, didn't know I would really be a a psychotherapist and do one-on-one counseling exclusively, but have just fallen into it and felt led to pursue that and further that. So yeah, and, and you do one-on-one counselling, but also, as mentioned in the introduction, um, EFT, couples counselling. You're couples right. Therapy, you're right. right. Sometimes yeah. it's two-on-one. And yeah. actually, I love that. So. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I love the energy of, of couples work. Mm. So. Mm. And when did, when did you move? Did you, did you transition from one-on-one to couples or was it more the other way around? Was it couples than one-on-one? I did individual therapy for the first few years of my career, a bit intimidated by couples therapy. But then I got some training in emotionally focused therapy and something just clicked for me. Some light bulbs went on, everything made sense relationally. And I have stuck with it since I have, I'm now certified and a supervisor in emotionally focused therapy. And it's my primary model. I'm not a purist, but I like to learn about other models. And I see therapy as more of an art than 
a science and there's science behind emotionally focused therapy, lots of research that backs it up and other models as well. But I love to bring my own personality into my work, my own ideas, my own inspiration. And I just don't believe in following one method. I think we really limit what we can offer if we stick to one way of doing things. Mm, so I'd so like to keep open-minded. myself open. Yeah. And that's what I was, I was, what I was hearing also is you're open-minded, which is part of the reason that I've invited you onto the series because of the energy work and the mindfulness programs that you've incorporated into traditional therapy. Yeah? And we'll touch mm-hmm. on that in, in just a moment, but leading up to that, what do you see as the role of a therapist? So the role of a therapist can be a lot of things, but more than anything, I see myself and maybe it's more the way that I do therapy. I see myself as a process consultant. So I am there with a client, helping them to move and process their life experiences. I don't advise them. I don't, I I try to refrain from directing them in any way. Of course, I'm a human being with thoughts and biases, and I have to acknowledge and own that those exist. But my intention is to draw into the energy and the personality and the values of the individual and help them bring those to the surface so that those lead their lives and see what the barriers are, what's getting in the way of them truly owning that, living that, being that. A big part of therapy is removing those barriers, helping them to soften and fall away. Mm, That's a nice way of putting it soften and fall away and when you said process life experiences the first thing that came to mind for me was the the connection there with processing energy and you just mentioned the word energy in that as well I think that's a very big part of of what I saw from therapy also is it wasn't just science-based but it but it was also deeper than science when you get to the subatomic level when you get below what science can quantify and qualify you're talking about space you're talking about energy yeah and, and I just think it's fascinating when we get the traditional Western sciences involved with energy work and with practices that incorporate what I would term Eastern practices. And they might not always be Eastern, but that's just a term I use. Would it be fair to say therapy tends to concentrate on past events and the role these events play in the client's current life? I would say yes, that is a big part of the content, a big part of the content of a therapy session. Mm -hmm. However, the intention is to bring the client to the present. The intention is to bring them to their present moment experience. And while the past can be informative and be helpful in understanding what's happening in the present, often a client's present is so strongly informed by past experiences, that emotional memory system that we need to update the system. So we, but we can't do the work of coming to the present and understanding the present without a lot of exploration into the past and Mm. understanding how they got where they were, how they were, how they created their life, how their life has been created up to this point in time. And then to take a look at what works and what doesn't work, what's working. Some things may have worked then in certain situations, but don't work in the present. 
So Mm. it's just taking a closer look at things and seeing what's here now. Yeah, being here now, which is one of those lines that we hear commonly in in mindfulness practices. And uh, a number of the listeners will be familiar with life coaching because that's my background. And I think it's fair to say that probably for those of you who haven't had therapy, because it's not just the United States we're talking to here, this is global. It's It's got uh, listeners in some 26 countries at the moment. So to those of you who perhaps haven't had therapy, but are familiar with what I've been talking about in regard to life coaching, one of the differences I see, and correct me if I'm wrong, Luanne, from from your perspective, but life coaching tends to be more goal-oriented and focused on taking clients from the present moment through to the future, whereas, as you've just described, the therapy is bringing awareness to the past and how it impacts them in their present day. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really thought of it that way, but I think that makes a lot of sense. Hmm. Yeah. So, Luanne, how would you see life coaching and therapy working collaboratively? As a psychotherapist, I highly value the practices of yoga and mindfulness and these different tools for slowing the mind and regulating the mind and coming inside. But it's really hard to accomplish all of that in a psychotherapy session. Mm -hmm. And so it's hugely valuable to have, to work with someone like you, Paul, (laughs) who can really make that the focus Mm -hmm. uh, to really go deeper into those practices, to, to sit with it and to really spend, you know, 20 minutes in a mindfulness practice, which we're not likely to do in a psychotherapy session. Most people are there to do more of the psychotherapeutic work. I Mm. do integrate these breathing practices and mindfulness practices into the session, but it's typically kind of brief. So that's why it's good to make that time for yourself to do that psychotherapy work and to set aside that time for yourself to do those practices where you're not going into the stories. You're not going into the past. You're letting go of and shedding those things and just being in the practice. So yeah. That makes perfectly good sense. And and if you're a client, if you're a typical client, I know everyone's different, but if you're a typical client getting therapy, would it be on a weekly basis or a bi-weekly basis or a month? How often do they come in? Most of my clients come in weekly, yeah, so especially in the beginning. And over time, we might go to every other week and then we might go to monthly. And some clients, most of my clients are going to be ready to do those mindfulness practice and really devote some time to that later into the process when we're not quite done with our work. But I see that as a great transition point where they've done that psychotherapy work and there isn't really more to say about it and they're ready to just be. Yeah. And so I think that's that transition too, from therapy through to coaching perhaps. And once they've established a platform, I guess, would be want of a better word, just a secure platform from which then they can start to grow, yeah? Yeah, and it takes some time for clients to gain a real sense of what they need for long-term health. Mm. So our work in psychotherapy is establishing that and getting the motivation for that and Mm. the the mind space for that, so. Yeah. I have a, a 50-50 split between female and male audience. What would you suggest to a woman who feels that their male partner or slash husband would benefit from therapy or coaching, but they don't know how to approach the subject with him? 
Well, that's a tricky thing. <laughs> I mean, yeah. when individual clients come to me and they talk about their husband who's struggling, who's maybe dealing with an addiction or depression or anxiety or, or what have you, and they're not getting help for that. My work is really with that client to step into their own life and Mm. own truth and to really focus on the experience that they're having and to let their partner know about the experience they're having. But we want to be careful not to just to recognize that everybody's on their own journey Mm. and it's not inappropriate or out of line or unhelpful to, to let your partner know, you know, these behaviors are having a, an impact on me in such a way that I'm really struggling and I'm really suffering with these, this set of behaviors. And it would really mean a lot to me if you were able to do something to work those out or, or um, take care of those in another way. So that's not inappropriate at the same time, when we get caught in pushing somebody and trying to fix somebody and trying to you know, cajole them along, we're going to tire us out and we're going to tire them out and they're going to be more resistant. They're going to push back when we step too far into that. Mm. So the focus really needs to be on ourselves and letting the other know how they're impacting us and also having boundaries and being able to be our own person while in relationship. Um, so that is a really tricky dance, (laughs) really, really tricky to be intimate and be separate, but it really is what each of us need is interdependency and autonomy. So, um, but we just really need to be careful not to try to change people. (laughs) We just can't, they Mm. need to find their own motivation. That motivation may come from, I'm letting you know how the experience that I'm having with you, or I'm letting you know the impact that you're having on me. And that's a better pathway forward. Not everyone will respond well, or have the empathy for that to initiate change. And then we have to decide what we're going to do from that point. Yeah. And I think that goes fairly much along the same lines as, again, what they may have heard in earlier episodes here on Mindfulness Mondays, when we talk about boundaries, and we talk about it's not telling the other party how to behave. It's actually putting something in place that says, if you do this, then I will do that. Yeah. So we're not actually telling them what to do. Right. Yeah. Right. Right. We're saying when this is happening, this is how I'm going to keep myself grounded. This is how I'm going to take care of myself or still live the life that I want, live this day the way that I want to live this day. Mm. And we may hope that our partner will join us. And if they don't, then it's really up to us to figure out what to do with that. Yeah. So boundaries are proactive. They're not reactive. There's something from which a, uh, an area begins rather than ends is the way I like to think of it. If you had a boundary around mm-hmm. your property, well, your property begins from here. It doesn't mm-hmm. end there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and when we do that as a personal, then mm-hmm. we're saying, well, this is respect for this property, this person, and these are the boundaries that we're putting forward. Right. And I think it's equal to be able to accept that your partner has boundaries also and to respect them. And I guess this is all part of what we're sharing here in mindfulness-based modalities that we're talking about and energy work, which leads me into that part of the conversation. How do you introduce your mindfulness-based 
practices or energy-based practices to clients? Do they, do they tend to see that as woo-woo or are they <laughs> open and, and acceptable toward it? Well, it depends on the client. I try to be responsive in session, uh, you know, on a personal level. I really believe in the spiritual aspect of, of humanity. And I have really seen something that I can't describe as anything other than spirituality awaken in sessions and move, you know, and move in sessions. So um, some people may not resonate with spirituality, but they do have an internal experience, sensations, movement. So we're just working with expanding awareness of that internal experience. Others were more explicit that they may have a belief system that can give some structure to the experience that they're having. And so we can work with that belief structure. I don't profess to be knowing or to know the truth or everyone's truth. Mm-hmm. I have a, my own interpretations of the world on a personal level and professionally, uh, but we're each on our journey and I want to help individuals to awaken what resonates with them and to let that guide them. Yeah. Yeah. That's really nicely said. Thank you. And I picked up on spirituality and the spiritual aspect. And for those of you who may or may not have heard of those terms, you might not have been listening to this series for for too long. It may be the first episode you listen to. But to me, there is a significant difference between what your belief system, perhaps religious system or religious belief is in comparison to spirituality. I like the word you use, interdependent. So spirituality, folks, doesn't mean religious. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. An, it's an inner essence or it's a, it's a core essence or it is associated with that energy that we use in our modalities, in our practices that connect us with the oneness of the universe. Is that fair to mm-hmm. say? Mm-hmm. Is that how you would see it? So, yeah, I would say religion is more based on a, a, a set of beliefs or and things that we do. It's more the, the doing side of maybe our spirituality. And spirituality is more the experience and they may be related. They may be closely related and they may be very separate and distinct for some people, but the spirituality, it can be interdependent with religion and it can be independent of religion. So that's a good um, point. Very valid. Yeah. 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 So to me, the religion is more the behavioral intellectual side of things and the spiritual is more the experiential side of things. Can you share a little about your company Heartswell? Sure. I founded Heartswell a few years ago with this sense inside that we as psychotherapists needed to do more and to offer more for the whole person. And I couldn't really find a way to do that without having a close group, a close, a a team of people with diverse practices. That's where I decided to move along with creating this and Heartswell. Heartswell is becoming a holistic wellness center, your one-stop shopping for mental health. 
Good. Uh, there are many ways to address your mental health outside of psychotherapy. And we might as well work collaboratively. We might as well have someone to, to be your advocate and to help you kind of create your own treatment plan, your own set of practices or uh, mechanisms for accessing and for healing the mind and the body and bringing mm. them together as one to mm. really flourish and be full. Mm. Yeah, the mind and the body. And, and uh, that's the bigger part of, of yoga or coupling or unite, yeah? Because we tend to have our physical body in the present moment. The mind tends to go to the past or the future. When we're fragmented, that's where anxiety can come up or that's where depression can come up or that's where overwhelm can come up yeah worrying about things that have happened or things that may happen that are out of our control whereas when we bring our mind and our body into the present moment that mindfulness that that is part of one of the programs or a number of programs that you offer at Hartsville, the mindfulness programs you're actually showing people how to become centered in the present moment right yeah and i think that's wonderful right yes yeah. so, so amy weintraub who is the creator of life force yoga. She does yoga for depression, anxiety. She says, the body is always present. The mind is a time traveler. Mm. So they can work as a team in yoga. We bring the mind and the body together into the present mm. um, to, to feel that wholeness and that oneness. Yeah. And yoga itself is one of the, one of the modalities that you offer there as well. So you, you've got all sorts of things going on. It, it's terrific. You've got life coaching, you've got therapy, you've got couples therapy, you've got yoga. Um, oh, I think you're heading toward Reiki and reflexology when you get the new premises. Yeah. Yes. Yes. My hope is that we will have the psychotherapy and yoga classes that are geared toward mental health mm. along with Reiki, reflexology, craniosacral massage, mm. perhaps acupuncture, these other things that really regulate the nervous system from the body, yeah. beginning with the body. Yeah. yeah, that's exciting. Wow, I look forward to when that uh, comes together, yeah? Me too. <laughs> <laughs> this has been recorded in March, so depending on when it's released, but <clears throat> do you have any programs coming up in April, May or June in 2021, perhaps? Yeah, we... We have a six-week series for men that begins April 1st mm -hmm. and a six-week series for women that begins April 12th. Mm -hmm. And the intention for those is to integrate both the, the mindfulness and energy or spiritual practices with the workings of the mind, with the things that are happening in the mind. So some space to talk through those things, but really learning to integrate those practices and step out of the mind. So mm. we step into the mind, we step out of the mind. And mm. as we do that, we kind of find that nice balance and that space that we can be free. So how can listeners best get in contact with you and the programs that you offer? The best way to find us is at liveheartswell.com. And I'll have those links in the show notes too. In closing, folks, I invite you to open your mind to what is possible in life. Reach out, practice the tools and techniques shared by a qualified practitioner, and you will come to discover that your job is to be you. Check it out, paulpettit.com. Yeah. If you'd like to learn more about any of the teachings that I offer, then simply go to the website, paulpettit.com, 
and book a free 15-minute consultation. Don't you love her badly? Don't you need her badly? Don't you love her ways? Tell me what you say.